Amen. Well, we're going to continue this morning in our series of our identity in Christ. How many were here? Thank you very much. How many were here last week? Um, raise your hand if you were here last week. You heard the identity in Christ. And I want to recap just real quickly this morning what we spoke about, which was I talked about four points of how God views you in Christ. Because uh, as Whitney was pointing out this morning, it's important to know that you're not who you used to be anymore. Right. She used the example of, of putting down her gloves. The Lord reminded her, hey, put those gloves down. I, I am fighting your battle now. How many recognize that now, that God fights your battle each and every day? And it's until you recognize those things that you continue to struggle in your old lifestyle if you don't get to that point in your life where you realize, okay, God, I get it. You are fighting my fight now, not me alone. But last week we, we realized in the Bible through Scripture that, number one, I'm completely accepted. I am eternally loved. I am totally forgiven. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. And I am fully capable, based on that Scripture that we just read in Philippians 4.13, that you can do all things through Christ. That strengthens you, right? You can do all things. What is it? Fill in the blank. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You're going to take a test that you don't think you can, you can do in school, in college? Whether it's a nursing program, whether you're an adult continuing your education, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Hey, the Bible's here to remind you and tells you today, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Because I know just like you do that, there are times where we struggle with that. Sometimes the world, as we've been talking about in this series, will beat you up and tell you, who do you think you are? You know you barely made it through high school. You know you barely did this. You know you've struggled through that. And you want to take this now? You want to do that? And if you listen to those voices, you'll stay in that element. You'll stay there. But God has a plan for you and a purpose for you. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your handout this morning, we're going to go to the sermon for today. And I've titled this one, My Identity in Christ, I Am His Masterpiece. Everybody say that again with me. I am His Masterpiece. And that's really what you are. Every one of you. And, and here's what I want to try to show you, each of you, in the, this series is that sometimes we can have a wrong view or understanding of how Christ sees us, of how God sees us. And, you know, I've shared this with you last week. He, God isn't this powerful God lording over you, looking at you, going, okay, you're going to step off this line, and I'm going to come crashing down with his hammer right over your head. How many have had a view similar to that in the past? I think we can, if we're not careful. We can think that God is this God that that just wants me to do these do's and don'ts, and it's all about just that. Well, yes, God wants you to be obedient, but it's much, much more than that. And He's not going to come crashing down on you and say, go in the corner, I'll talk to you when I get to you, type of mentality. He doesn't do that. He loves you. He's not going to leave you where you're at, even though we're imperfect. All of you here, any perfect people here today? I just want to check. Okay, nobody here? All right. We're all working at that. That's our constant struggle in life, is to be obedient to the Lord, what the Lord is telling me to do. 
And that's always a constant with all of us. I don't care who you are in Christ. I remember one day, um, well, before I get there, let me share this with you. Um, have you noticed that we live in this identity-driven culture, first of all? Everybody is this or that. Everybody wants to be a somebody, right? You grow up maybe as a little kid, and there's nothing wrong with that, having a goal. You know, I've heard some kids in here say, I want to be a baseball player. Uh, one says, I want to be a scientist. And those are great goals to have. Shoot for the moon. That's what I always say. Shoot for the moon. And with God's help, you can get there. But when we're there as adults, and then we start comparing ourselves, how many get into that comparison game, right? And that's a no-win situation. Once you start comparing yourself to so-and-so or to that family or because they have this kind of a house or that kind of a car or, you know what I mean? It's, and it's all based on a fake identity, something that is false on the outside. And in reality, there's no substance there. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? You know, people are always trying to be more popular, more famous, more beautiful, more money, bigger cars, bigger houses, and on and on and on. And when you get those things, you're never satisfied. You always want more. Have you ever looked back 10 years ago and say you know, to yourself, man, we were living quite comfortably in this situation. Now I'm, I've got more, I make more, and I'm struggling more now than I was back then. How did I make that happen? Has anybody ever done that? You know, that's because we're in this culture, this, we're, we're always wanting more, and we can never be satisfied. And we have to be very careful with that. Yes, God does want to bless you, but He also wants you to use wisdom in managing all that. So, again, my point here this morning is that we need to understand who we are in Christ, not seek the world's approval, not seek man's approval and what we should have, who we should be, what we should desire to have. Typically, a man defines himself by what he does. Have you figured that out yet? Men, we do that. You know, I'm a this, and that's who I am. I'm a pastor, and that's who I am. And, and we do that, right? But really, at the end of the day, is that who you are? No, that's not who you are. That's a part of you. That's a part of you. But we use that um, very big. And, and for women, typically, it's based on relationships, you know, um, and I, that's for, and again, that's for some women and for some men, not all of them, but they, uh, they can base it on relationships like, oh, well, I'm so-and-so's daughter or I'm so-and-so's wife and, or I'm related to this, per, you know, and, and it's on relationships. And men, we're like so far away from that because we, we, we think so differently than women. One of the things, yes, exactly, amen. But both, both men and women we can use our physical attributes, our heritage, possessions, backgrounds, and aspirations to describe ourselves, don't we? Don't we look and, and do that? And, and then we, we, what we're trying to say is that's who we are. But really, that's not who we are. Just because I live on the right side of the tracks, where before I used to live on the wrong side of the tracks, doesn't make me any better. Just because... I drive a new car versus a 10-year-old car doesn't make me any better, and, and vice versa. Um, again, it's knowing your identity in Christ. It's so important in this day and age because you turn on reality TV today, if you're not watching any of the playoff games, 
But if you turn on reality TV, they're going to dictate to you how you should live your life, what you should dress like, even your vocabulary, how you should speak. Last week I talked to you about how I used to be six foot two in high school. You know, that's because I had hair up to here and I had three inch platform heels like that with my, you know, silk shirts and my angel flight pants. I mean, Dan, you remember those angel flight pants? Anyways, we won't go there. But, but you know, I was six foot two, maybe six three on a, on a good hair day. My brother, you know, the same thing. He had his outfit on, you know, his Pendleton and he was looking all stylish and everything and, you know, just like this and... We all identified with what the world told us we were supposed to look like, right? And it, it takes years. Teenagers, today teenagers, it, it's, it's terrible being a teenager in one way because you don't know who you are. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to see this and see that. And they're all telling you to fit in this little box. And for some teenagers, they never get a true understanding of who they are who God created them to be. And even as adults, you know, you think teenagers, you think, well, as adults, we must have it all figured out. We're now in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. We must have it figured out. Let me in on, let, let you in on a little secret. It goes on and on. We're, we're always trying to figure it out. We, we think we have it figured out, and all of a sudden, God smacks us up the side of the head and says, uh, no, that's not what I want for your life. I want you going here. Because... I wasn't a pastor in my 40s. All of a sudden, God took me in this direction. I, I, I knew He was leading me in that direction, but it wasn't until my 50s that I became a pastor. So it's never a completed work. God is always working on us, and He wants you to understand your identity in Christ, and you are His masterpiece. Amen? Amen. I want to share this with you as well. Your identity shapes your beliefs. That identity or how we perceive ourselves is what shapes our core beliefs. How you perceive yourself today shapes your core beliefs. Just like that old guy that was my brother, that shaped his core belief. You know that guy, Reuben? That guy? The guy that would lean back in his Pendleton? You remember that guy? With the chain steering wheel in your 69 Chevy Impala. I remember that car. That shaped his core beliefs. And for every one of you here today, whatever core, whatever, however you identify, that is shaving or shaping your core beliefs today, good or bad. It, it determines what you do, how you say it, um, how you raise your children. It, it, it determines so many things. But our greatest treasure on earth is this is what I'm here to remind you today, is our, dent, our identity in Christ today. Our greatest treasure on earth is our identity in Christ. And here's what, a, the single sentence right here is what I want you to get today. Our single most valuable but yet, yet least understood treasure here on earth is our identity in Christ. That is the most important treasure that you can have as a believer Knowing who you are, knowing that you're valued, knowing that you're accepted, forgiven, that you're fully capable, that you're fully loved by Almighty God. Because prior to coming to the Lord, many of you, as that song said, were broken vessels, broken pieces, and didn't know all that about God. Didn't know that about yourself. This morning, if you have your Bibles, 
Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And I did the favor for you this week of putting in the answers. How many noticed that in your outline? <laughs> Last week I left them blank. And I thought, you know what? I want to make sure they get the answers in there. So I put them in there for you. But won't you stand with me this morning as we read the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Just uh, stand with me for a quick moment. And let's read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It's in your outline as well. But this is the New King James Version. It says it like this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to read to you this other version. It's the Living Bible Version. It says it like this. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, or long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are your creation, your workmanship, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we are made in the image of your Son, and that, Father, that we can just put our trust in you, and not identify with this world, but, Lord, identify with you and what your word so distinctly declares. Father, we receive that this morning and thank you for your precious word. Bring anointing to this message to the hearers that are here this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. So God's view of me in Christ. Number one, I've said this already twice. The first, first one is, the first point here is, I am his masterpiece. Say it again with me. I am his masterpiece. And you know why I want you to say that? I've, I've asked you to say it three times so far today. For many of you that have been raised in a home with no self-esteem, growing up as adults, not only has the world beat you up, but maybe they were family members that beat you up. Maybe they were a mom and dad that never encouraged you. Maybe they were grandparents that never encouraged you, but were always telling you what you were never going to be. And we've all known people like that. And you can see the struggles they go through in life. I'm here to tell you as a parent, as a grandparent here today, just as individuals, you have power to speak into the lives of young people, of adults even. We, we have to be reminded as adults that God loves us sometimes. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, you can come back from this conference that Bianca and Whitney just came back from and, and be on a spiritual high. But a week later, two weeks later, life can deal you a, a pretty strong blow. And if you're not careful, if, you, if you're not careful, you can allow the world and the devil to take that joy away, take that blessing away. Because you fail to realize your identity in Christ. You are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece this morning. Amen. Let me t share with you what this is. Um, Anna and I... Every year we've been going on our anniversary, we typically go up to Fort Bragg. We spend some time in this nice place, and it's right on the, on the uh, coast at the uh, cove to, uh, I forget the name of the cove now, but you can see the ships rolling in, and just beautiful, beautiful place. And we go from there, and we drive to these bluffs where we've seen, in our opinion, the most amazing sunsets ever. I mean, we've been to Hawaii, seen some amazing sunsets. I'm sure in Fiji, I'm sure in, in Burma, I'm sure in the Philippines. Anywhere you go, you can catch some amazing sights. But in Fort Bragg, we saw some amazing, beautiful 
sunsets, um, that every time we've gone to this bluff on a clear evening, it's always attracting people out there because they're taking pictures of the beautiful sunset as the sun is setting into the Pacific Ocean. And it's always hit and miss when you go to Fort Bragg because there can be fog up there and it can be overcast. But on those rare days when it's a clear day, it is gorgeous, beautiful. How many have seen sunsets like that, right? You know what I'm talking about this morning. But here's the thing, whether it's a sunset, something amazing, a painting, a beautiful car, a beautiful home. Maybe you walk into somebody's home and you're just amazed at how wonderfully decorated and you're thinking, who's this interior decorator? I got to get the hook of here. I got to get this person. I got to get the curtains and, and, and everything. And we go into people's homes like that and we see that. But all that pales in comparison to what God thinks of each of you here today. You are each his masterpiece. His masterpiece. His, 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 um, his, his just mightiest thing he could ever create are you. But higher than the animals, higher than the angels, higher than the, the mountains in Tahoe, in Yosemite, the sunsets in Fort Bragg in Hawaii, wherever you may go. You are his quintessential masterpiece. Amen? Amen? In the same way, we are that creation. You know, the Bible uses, and the King James uses the word workmanship. Do you notice that? Workmanship. It really could be translated his work of art. His work of art. Each of you are his work of art. See, I look at, around here, and there's not one person that looks like the next person next to them. Now, I mean, you're all uniquely created differently. That's a beautiful thing. Only God could do that. Only our Heavenly Father could create you so uniquely with your personality, with your traits, good and bad, because we've all got good traits and we've all got bad traits. And guess what? God loves you. You're His work of art. Amen. Amen. I am His masterpiece. Amen? Amen. Number two, point number two. God's view of me in Christ is I am a new creation. And I want to emphasize this scripture again because Raquel did mention it three weeks ago when she spoke. And she mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Every one of you, when you came to Christ, are a new person. A new person. This morning and even last night as I was going over my notes, I was thinking, how different life is for me. How different life is. And none of you here know, except for maybe my brother. And I was 17 when I became a dad. I don't recommend that, okay? I was 17. And then I got married when I was a senior in high school. I was a senior in high school, got married. Again, I don't recommend that. Huh, Joshua? He's a senior in high school. Don't go get married, okay? Now, the result of that was I had two beautiful children given to me. And at the same time, though, my identity was the furthest from Christ that I could ever, ever imagine. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I was reading this scripture, and I realized that, again, God reminded me, the old things are gone. The old things are gone. And I said goodbye to my old life because, see, back then, I was still trying to figure out who I was. I was 17, then 18, and I'm a kid. 
I'm trying to figure out who I am. Yet I'm now having these responsibilities as an adult put on me as a, as a young kid because of my choices. I was working full-time since I was 16 years old, working full-time 40 hours a week, even in high school. And at that time, those were choices I made. And then every, every weekend, I remember when I was that age, as a new parent, living with my family at that time in some apartments in Napa, life was just about the next party. It was about that weekend. It was about those goals. It was just partying, partying. It, it was just alcohol and drugs, alcohol and drugs, every weekend. I would work good during the, during the week, but then that weekend was all about that party. Nothing to do with Christ whatsoever. Nothing. And during that time, I don't ever recall anybody, anybody ever inviting me to church. From that time when I became a dad till I was the age of 24. Nobody ever invited me to church. Nobody ever witnessed to me about God. Nobody ever just handed me a tract, an invitation. Nobody. And finally, when I did get invited, I was so ready for that change. At a young age, I was... 24, and it was like God was telling me, get rid of those gloves, get rid of those clothes, get rid of everything, that, that old stuff. That's, that's not what I have for you. And I was at a point in my life where I needed to hear that. Because my life at that time, I was just, I had so many thoughts contemplating in my head. I mean, from suicide at that time, that's how low I was at that point, to just feeling inadequate, feeling... My life was going in the wrong direction because of my choices that I had made as a young person. And so as I was reading this scripture last night, I was thinking, all those things started coming back to me and reminding me that, that God's given me a new life and He's given each of you a new life today, a chance and an opportunity to say goodbye to the old and say, yes, Lord, I'm taking on this new life in Christ and I'm going to do the best I can. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, the thing that separated me from God at that time was sin. Was, and that was going to be death. Eternal death. Eternal separation from my God. I would never have had a chance for heaven if I had died in that condition. Never. Ever. But because somebody took the time to invite me to church, that got me going in this direction where today I'm a pastor now. I'm a slow learner. I should have taken this course a long time ago. But see, the world was still trying to pull me back and still trying to pull me back and pull me back. And, but I knew what the Lord had spoken to my heart as a young person. He gave me a passion for His Word. See, the Bible in the, in the Old Testament, the purpose of the law was used to make us aware of our sinfulness. The only problem was it couldn't take away that sin. They would say a prayer, say an atonement prayer, and roll those sins over to the next year. But it wasn't until Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God, slain for sinners, slain for you and I, that our sins could be forgiven once and for all. And we would no longer have to have that weight upon us, that sin upon us. See, it was a terrible feeling when I was 24 to know my life was a mess and there was nothing I could do about it. Because that's all I could identify with. I couldn't identify this way. All I could identify was like this. A horizontal relationship. No vertical relationship with my Heavenly Father. And then I realized once I accepted and received the Lord into my life, the old is now gone. I was set free. 
I want to tell you that when I was 24, it felt like a weight, like, a, like an engine block, I, I can't think of anything else, was on my back and it was cast off. Maybe all the times that we used to help my dad work with engines growing up. But it felt like a huge weight. Anybody ever experienced that when you came to know Christ and that weight was just thrown off of your back and you felt free for the first time in your life? There is no better liberating feeling and it's called freedom in Christ. It's called forgiveness of sin. It's called His grace. It's called His mercy. All those things were just filling me now instead of this weight of sin that was holding me down and having me contemplate even suicide. I mean, they were just thoughts. I never acted out on them. But that's where it starts. It's, it takes you down a deeper, deeper tunnel if you keep going that way. But the old is gone because He became sin for each of us. Amen? Yeah. He paid the price in full for each of you. There's no more balance left on there. It's like that judge slamming the gavel in his courtroom and declaring each of you justified in the eyes of the law. That's what Jesus Christ did for each of you here today. He declares each of you justified. You're justified. Amen? Amen. Amen. That new person has come. It describes a new person. So every time, as a young believer, every time I would find myself kind of looking back, you know, because let's face it, when we first become believers, and even now, there are things that remind us of our past. And you've got to be careful if you look back, because you know what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back. But when you look back, that's the world, that's the enemy. Hey, psst, psst, come on over here. This won't hurt. It's just a second. Don't listen to that voice. Don't listen to that voice. That's no longer your identity any longer. Your identity now is in Christ. You are His masterpiece. You now recognize that. Where prior to that, you were, you were not in that knowledge that you are accepted, you are loved, you're forgiven, and so forth. So you've got to be really careful with that. Amen? Amen? Everybody say this with me. I am a new creation. Amen. I'm a new creation in Christ. Amen. Point number three. He loves me unconditionally. Isn't that beautiful music right there? He loves me unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says this in the Living Bible. So you see, our love for Him comes as a result of His loving us first. And that is so opposite of what the world teaches the world teaches, well, if you show me that you first love me, then maybe I might consider even loving you, right? And, and we mentioned last week, talked about how in relationships, when you're a young person and you find that first heartthrob, you know, you're in your 20s now, you're at, or whatever that age is, and you find that real heartthrob, and you're going, man, I really love that person. I, I hope they love me. I hope they feel the same way about me. Because you don't dare step out and say, I love you, and then have that person look at you. Like, what are you talking about? That would just so crush you, right? Aren't you thankful God isn't that way? God isn't waiting for you to, well, if you first go to church, if you first get baptized, if you first start giving an offering or a tithe, then I'll love you. No. God doesn't concern himself with that. He says, I loved you first. I sent my son to die for you on that cross. Because I loved you first. Even when you were in those sins. Even when you were a snot-nosed 17-year-old thinking you're a man and, and uh, 
getting a, a, a young girl pregnant and then marrying her and then starting off that way. He still loves you. That's how I was. When I recognized that, that God loved me unconditionally, I began to see things differently. See, it doesn't matter how good you are or what kind of family you're raising. You could be raising a good family. We have good parents. Both Reuben and I, my brother and I, we have great parents. But even that can cause you to walk down this path. Sometimes pastor's kids are the worst kids, right? You know, I have great kids. I have great grandkids. But my point is here is it doesn't matter even sometimes how and what kind of parents they are. The world can steer them in that wrong direction if you're not careful. That's why parents, it's important to know who your kids' friends are, aren't they? isn't it? It's important to know who they're texting, who they're online with. It's important to know that. I just want to remind you of that. Amen? I'm not snooping on your phone, Raquel. I'm not snooping. Because I trust you guys. But if I have to, I will. I'm just saying. All right? Can I get an amen, parents? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. I love that. That was the loudest amen. The Lord loves me unconditionally. We live in a world where conditions exist from work to marriage, from friendships to parenting. Such conditions affect how we understand God, how, how we understand love. Amen? And it's distorted from God's view. God loves us unconditionally. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to achieve anything for it. That's His great unconditional love. It's a love for me that guarantees a freedom from doubt, insecurity, a lack of self-esteem. All those things we need to cast aside because God loves us as we are. Broken or, or healed, He loves you the same. Amen? The greatest tragedy in life is when we fail to live that way. When we fail to live as though He loves us, as though He's forgiven us. When we fail to understand that. That's the greatest tragedy. It's like the child who's, who's given everything as a young child then falls away and falls to a life of drugs or whatever when he was given everything in a responsible manner. And I'm not talking about a spoiled kid. You spoiled him, but he was given every opportunity. Great education, and then they ruin that. It's somebody that does not take advantage of their situation this morning. He loves me unconditionally. Everybody say that with me. He loves me unconditionally. unconditionally. Amen. I remember one of the first times, uh, well, when I first became a believer. And uh, I was walking, I walked in the Safeway. I've shared this here before, but it's important that I say it. I walked in the Safeway. And I'm walking down one aisle, just started turning down the aisle. And on the other side of the aisle, I see this fellow believer coming down that I had just met in this church. And then he yells out in this loud Gregory voice, because he reminds me of Gregory, this brother that I knew way back then. And he goes, Brother Rick, child of the king. I'm, I, turned, I stopped. I turned around. Because I'm, is he talking to me? Because... Nobody had ever called me a child of the king before. Nobody. Ever in my life. I was 24 years old. And he's coming at me, but I had to stop. Because I knew he said Rick, but I'm like, me? This, is there another Rick here? <laughs> and I realized then, I am a child of the king. There are certain phrases I like to say. That's one of them. That's why I say, I love my, the king of kings and the lord of lords because I'm a child of the king. That made such an impression on me as a young 24-year-old. 
And uh, it was great because he called everybody a child of the king. But I needed to hear that at that moment. And that was so powerful. And it made a huge impression on me. So I encourage you this week, go out and see somebody. Maybe somebody here in this church. Maybe somebody not that's not in this church. But a fellow believer and tell them, hey, child of the king, it's good to see you. I guarantee you they will not forget that. Whether they've been in church for 30 years or whether they've been in church for three months. Especially if they're a young believer. Amen? Amen. Point number four, as I get ready to close this morning. Nothing can separate us from His love. Aren't you thankful for that? Nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 8 and verse 35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, shall persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I don't care what it is this morning that you're going through. Maybe your relationship with your spouse isn't going as well as it should be going. Maybe you're in danger of losing your job and and the world seems to be falling apart right now. God will never leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. And nothing shall separate you from that love that He has for you. That's part of your identity in Christ. That nothing can separate you from His great love. No matter where you go, no matter what the world does to try to beat you up today, nothing will separate that love from you. Amen? Here's the thing. Since God was so gracious to give each of us that gift, the gift of His love, complete with a matching new identity, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the previous scripture, you have a new identity now. Let's make every effort to live a life that is worthy of that calling. Amen? Again, I'm not saying be perfect, because I know you can't be perfect, but we need to walk in obedience to whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. How many know that the Holy Spirit challenges you every day, every month, every year? You will be challenged by the Holy Spirit to grow, to sacrifice, to step out in faith and do something that you thought, well, why, Lord? Why? I don't understand. Moses didn't understand when God called him. He said, why me, Lord? I'm a stutterer. Why are you picking on me? I can't even form words. He said, don't worry about that. I'll speak for you. I'll speak through you. And then he even gave him his brother, Aaron, to speak for him and declare the word. So with God, there's always a way. But more importantly, nothing can separate us from that love. We can try to distance ourselves from his great love. But no matter where you go, no matter where you hide, no matter what you think, nothing can separate you from his great love. Now let's live like the new creation you are. Each of you here are a new creation. Everybody say this, I am a new creation in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. No matter how many years you've been serving the Lord, you're still a new creation in Christ. God's always doing a new work in you. Always, always, always. Rather than serving yourself in what you do, consider others to be important, more important than you are. That's a thought, huh, today? Rather than just think about yourself, consider others to be more important than you are. I know that's a struggle for a lot of people. A lot of people. It shouldn't be for us as believers, right? 
Because Christ came to serve. Christ came to love others. And we're his disciples and we should be doing the same thing. But boy, this world, it's all about them, right? It's all about me. Me, me, me. And they're going to climb over you in that corporate ladder. They're going to step on you and kick you down. The devil does not want you to grow and fulfill the plan, the purpose that God has for your life. And I'm just here to remind you that once you recognize your identity in Christ and live worthy of that, nothing can separate that great love from you. Amen? Nothing can separate you from His love. Everybody say that with me, the point number four. Nothing can separate us from His love. Those are some of the greatest words you can hear. Here's the thing again, real quickly recap. I am His masterpiece. Yeah, say that with me. I am His masterpiece. I am a new creation. He loves me unconditionally. And nothing can separate us from His love. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I just want to invite you up here this morning. I, I feel that I, I need to have you come up here this morning. Just come up here and we're just going to close in prayer this morning. Come on up all of you, all of you here. This is our family here. Your family here, every one of you. And not only does God love every one of you, but how many are thankful that God's taking you from where you were at and placed you where you're at now? I am. Aren't you thankful for that? Raise your hand if that's you this morning. Amen. God is, has asked you to take your, your gloves off. He's asked you to lay things at the altar, maybe at a church somewhere else, and you've given them to God at the altar. But I guess what I'm asking you to do this morning is if there's something that you want to lay at this altar that you've, you've prevented yourself from doing right now would be a great time just where you're at just say Lord I give you this I give you this I no longer want this I'm a new creation in you as Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says you're a new creation the old is gone the new has come behold you're a new creation in Christ Jesus today so let's let's close our eyes this morning let's bow our heads Heavenly Father again we thank you for your precious word it brings life to us and this morning as we discovered or just confirmed really the identity you have for us. Number one, we are your masterpiece. You have created us, Lord. We are your workmanship. Number two, I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Number three, you love me unconditionally, Lord. And number four, nothing can separate me from your love. No matter where I go, no matter how far I think I've messed up, nothing can separate me from your love. And Lord, we come before you this morning and we are so thankful for that. We thank you, Lord, that God, we're not perfect people. You love us exactly as we are, but you're not content to leave us there. You want to grab us by the hand and you want to say, come with me, come with me, follow me, just like the disciples did. We want to follow you, Lord. We want to do that obediently. As you speak to us today, right now, each of us, Lord, individually, as you speak to us right now, there may be things that we know are not pleasing to you, that we know are maybe going against your word. Lord, I pray that everyone here, if that's them, if that's you this morning, 
just give it to the Lord right now. Just, just in your own words right now. Just tell the Lord you give it to him right now. Lord, I give this to you, Father, right now. Lord, I pray, shape me, mold me into that person you want me to be. Lord, I cast aside anything that would not be pleasing to you. Lord, I ask you to forgive me this morning of anything that's not pleasing to you, Father. And help me to be that person you want me to be. Place that desire in my heart to serve you and walk with you. And take full advantage of my identity in Christ. So Lord, I pray for each one here today. May you do that, Lord. May you be with them. May you walk with them. May you bless them today. And as they walk through this day and this week, may you remind them that they are your child. They are your son or daughter. They are a child of the King. They are your masterpiece. That you love them unconditionally. I pray that, Lord, for each of them here today. I pray your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, God